0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hugan, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, well, we have been tackling the uh, topic of the Lord's Supper these last couple days, and um, it's a very important topic. Um, Topic: It's the one sacrament in the New Testament that actually comes with a warning. Uh, The Apostle Paul says, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And so it's not one of those things that we just come to lightly. And I think, um, brothers, I I talked to a a, a Christian brother here uh, about a year ago, and he when we were talking about the Lord's Supper privately, he, he really didn't understand what the big deal about the Lord's Supper was. And I think that's just a reflection of just being undertaught, you know? So, um, Which we, is just
1: interesting because historically, if you would look at, at the Reformation, the issue that they disagreed the most about was actually the Lord's Supper. People yeah. were
0: willing, to, the Christians were willing to be burned at the stake over this issue.
1: Yes, very much so, and right. it wasn't just Protestant to Catholic disagreement, it was Protestant to Protestant disagreement, and this has is, is created such an intensity of feeling and, and, and uh, created a whole host of vigorous debate and writings, and it probably, I have never counted the pagination, but it's probably the issue that received the most ink um, during the Reformation time period. Yep
0: and rightly so maybe we should just set it up a little bit why was there so much disagreement between um, between Rome and, and the Protestants over this issue well the reason why the Protestants were willing to be burned at the stake over the Lord's Supper is because what Rome was doing is that they were saying that the, the bread and the wine are the actual body and blood of Christ so that every time mass is practiced Christ is being re-sacrificed again mm-hmm. and again and that that totally is contrary to not only the words of jesus it is finished but to the idea of the gospel itself that he is the final propitiation for our sins because mass had to be done again and again and again that's a problem
1: Mm -hmm. so it it really contradicts the entire message of the book of hebrews right Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean you cannot have the catholic idea and practice of math and line it mass and line it up alongside of what is taught especially in the middle section of hebrews and have it work. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, what does the Lord's Supper signify? That's the topic today. What does it signify? Let me ju- let me
2: just read what what the Apostle Paul wrote in First Corinthians eleven, uh, beginning with verse twenty three. Paul says, "For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you." That's a, that's a key line there. I received this from the Lord, and I'm passing it along mm-hmm. to you. Until he comes. So, and we talked in an earlier show about how Jesus gave us something we can taste, something we can smell, something you ingest. So the symbolism is very powerful. The bread, of course, representing his body. This is my body given. He broke the bread. Uh, It it conveys the the death of Jesus, his body given up for us. Sometimes I think the most important word in that whole text is for. This is my body which is for, for you. you. Jesus gave himself for us. That's the, the the gift of his atonement given to us on the cross, uh, given to make to forgive our sin and to make us new. And then when he pours the cup, and, well and, 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 and another key phrase in there, this is my body which is for you. Do this and the quote what do what? Break the bread, Mm -hmm. symbolizing his body given. Mm -hmm. Eat it, his body given for us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then the cup is poured out. Do this, The the cup of the new covenant in my blood, and then he says, do this. Well, do what? Pour it. Let the congregation see the juice or the wine, whichever is used in your congregation, pouring out. And it's a visible representation of the blood of Jesus poured out for us, and as often as you drink it, as often as we celebrate this, we do it remembering him and i also think i 've probably talked too long, but then very briefly, I think this is a special kind of remembering we 're not just remembering something that happened two thousand years ago right it 's not just a memorial. Mm-hmm. we're remembering that the power of Christ the saving power of, of Jesus and his his grace by his body and his blood no the the elements don't don't become the body and the blood but Jesus Christ is present here mm-hmm. we're remembering his risen presence right here with us when we break the bread and mm-hmm. we pour the cup
1: and I I think to go along with that we also just have to continually stress the, the plural um, words that are in the text. It's it's not an individual affair. It is to a certain extent, but it's not at another level. Mm. Um, so we don't partake of communion as an individual. We, we yeah. do so as part of the community of believers. Yeah, that for you in the South would be y'all, y'all or all y'all. <laughs> yeah. all y'all. All y'all. All <laughs> y'all. And I grew up in a church that communion was such a meaningful experience for all the wrong reasons, because it was catered towards the individual in the pew. So the the minister would go through all of this teaching and then said, "the the table is open. Come up um, on your own and whenever you want, um, take of the bread and 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 the wine and and mm-hmm. and and so it." It was meaningful because it was this this individual moment. But like I said, it was meaningful for all the wrong reasons because I, I didn't grow up with the sense of that we were a body participating. We were individuals participating. And I, I think it, it really did a disservice to what, what the Lord's Supper really was. Well, in
0: that analogy of the body, you said in another program that First Corinthians 11 and Corinthians 12 – Indicate very clearly that this is in the context of the, the gathered church. Mm-hmm. And Paul labors to use the analogy of the body, and he, he talks about fingers and eyes and he, heads and, and all that stuff. And, and just let's just draw that out. When your body, when your physical body is doing something, your whole body is doing it. When you're sleeping, mm-hmm. your whole body is sleeping. When you're eating, your whole body is eating. And that's the way that, that God wants us to look at the, the gathered congregation. So when we're doing the Lord's Supper together, our whole body is participating. Right. It's an oxymoron to have individualistic communion. It, it totally it, – it communion means a common unity. Yeah. Right. Well, it, it's within within to,
3: that unity, though, there, is a, there, there are individual aspects because we, we and, and me personally uh, being assured – of the gospel that it was is true for me, uh, right. and so you know when we think about uh, the sacraments or communion, uh, these are visible signs and seals. They've been appointed by God to this end that as we use them, He declares and seals to us the promise of the gospel, namely that He grants us forgiveness of sins and life eternal for the sake of the one sacrifice accomplished on the cross. Mm-hmm. And that's that's an assurance to the individual as they participate yeah. in this whole body. Yeah,
1: and this yeah. and what Jonathan's saying is so important that you do it as an individual as part of a body. Um, and that's why there's this this part where if we do have something against a brother and sister in Christ, we should seek reconciliation, yeah. because what's being spoken at the table is that we are one. But if you're not one, you're out of step, you're not reconciled, then you really are eating in a, in a hypocritical manner. You're testifying something publicly that isn't true. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think as we partake, and Jonathan is so, so correct on, we do it as an individual. Yes, we have to have faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We have to be those that are united to him in union with Jesus Christ but it's never alone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe we're struggling to convey that, but it it is an individual as part of a whole group. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen. Yeah,
0: amen indeed. Yeah, and I think part of my emphasis just comes from the fact that this, I feel like this is the dragon of our age. Um, The dragon of our particular culture is this kind of radical individualism where, I mean, even, I, I just, this was one of the application points, um, on Sunday at church, there was an article that recently came out that said, you know, church as we know it is is over. Uh, it's the age of podcasts. It's the age of streaming. And, and people need to get over the idea of a brick and mortar building. And we need to reinvent the way that we're doing church. Well, I'm sorry. That, that argument's been going on forever. That's not new yeah, to our that generation. That is not new.
1: I thought you were going to say that our tens and tens of listeners might become dozens and dozens of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. I mean, we would. I mean, we would be abhorred if people were taking this program
0: as a substitute for church, wouldn't we? Yeah. Because right. this is not church, right? This, this yeah. is this is this is a a, a para church group of pastors that want to help edify the body, but this is not a substitute for church in any yeah,
2: way. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Are you listening out there right now? Go to church. <laughs>
3: yeah. The, you know, the question in the Heidelberg Catechism uh, asked in question 76, what does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his poured out blood? Answer, it means to accept with a believing heart the entire suffering and death of Christ and in this way to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But it means more. Through the Holy Spirit, who lives both in Christ and in us, we are united more and more to Christ's blessed body. And so, although he is in heaven and we are on earth, we are flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, and we forever live on and are governed by one spirit as members of our body are by one soul.
2: Yeah. And by the way, just historically, and I don't want to bore the listeners too much with with tedious history, but... Uh, Russ mentioned earlier that there, you know, within the Reformation, there there were differences about the meaning of the Lord's Supper, and 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 in fact, uh, the the Reformation movement in the 16th century was unable to unify. the The Lutherans and the Reformed could not come together, and basically because of differences. I mean, it came down to one issue: the, the meaning of the Lord's Supper. Uh, but even within the Reformed, uh, there were differences right from the beginning of the Reformation. Uh, Zwingli, for instance, uh, taught that uh, the supper is one hundred percent a memorial. Yeah. We are remembering something that happened a long time ago, and surely he would say we're remembering its spiritual impact today. But it was exclusively a memorial. Calvin couldn't go there. Cal- yeah. Calvin himself. Well,
3: and Luther on the other end. And Luther it was, was, it was, the was other, basically yes. saying that you know, in some way, in around and through, this becomes uh, the. Body and blood of Christ. Right. He, you know, pounded hoc est corpus mem. <laughs> this is my body. Yeah. Hocus pocus. Yes. Um, hoc est corpus mem uh, was what, and so there was there were the there was the Zwinglians and the Lutherans and you were going to say the Cal, uh, Calvin well, kind of
2: kind of in the middle was Calvin, mm-hmm. um, and I don't mean in the middle in a bad way, mm-hmm. um, but you know Calvin wouldn't go pure memorial. He also didn't believe in transubstantiation that it becomes a body and blood, but he he did teach. And I think he was onto something biblically that Christ is uniquely present Yes, when we His, celebrate the supper. Yeah, you
3: know, he, he, is, he is forever our man in glory. He, 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 went, he ascended as a fully man, fully God, but as fully God, he is not contained
0: in that body. He is divinely present with us at the Lord's Supper. Amen. Well, you've been listening to The Gospel for Life. If you've missed any of these conversations on the Lord's Supper, just go to ReformationBoise.com and click on the listen link. Or you can subscribe to our podcast at whatever podcatcher you thingy you use. I use iTunes because we all know that's the most spiritual way to practice church today. But uh, just type in The Gospel for Life and you will find it. We'll see you next time.